In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... It's one person coming in from China. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will gonna all be great. We're going to be so good. This is a pandemic. The Betches Sup Podcast. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Hello, and welcome to the Sup Daily Coronacast. I'm Amanda Duberman. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And the Coronacast is your daily rundown of all the latest news on COVID-19, how we're getting through it, and just how close we are to ending the crisis. Let's get into it. Today is April 22nd. It's Earth Day, which is, seems nice. I know my carbon footprint has yeah. never been lower. And, you know, there's, they're saying that actually, like, air quality is improving, like, everywhere around the world, and like, water quality is improving, and... Like, everyone's starting to move up all the indices of, like, environmental health. So, dark, yeah. dark, dark silver lining. So true. <laughs> I know. All it's of so like, whenever in. I go, yeah, whenever I go outside, I can't tell. I'm always like, oh, the air is so much cleaner. But I can't decide if that's actually true or if I'm just so thrilled to be outside because we're not going outside. I can't tell if it's, like, in my head. But I do feel like, I mean, there's got to be some reduction. I think I've seen pictures over New York where it looks a, a lot clearer. Um, and then I go outside and I take a deep breath and I'm like, oh shit, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, I definitely feel that. And it's kind of, it's just kind of very weird because like outdoors still feels like, oh, it feels oddly hostile, even though like as things are getting nicer. Um, on the other hand, uh, the price of oil has completely collapsed. So that's, that's an interesting sidebar for Earth Day. Um, it really is. This is definitely the weirdest Earth Day ever. <laughs> it, might, it might be the one where the Earth is actually the focus for one time. Um, <laughs> it's true. People. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So jumping into some numbers today, as of today, it's looking like nearly as many Americans have died from COVID-19 that did fighting the Vietnam War. We're at around 45,000. I was reading this morning that this also comes as the main model that the White House has been using to project deaths. It increased its projection by about 10%, um, estimating that more than 65,000 people will die from COVID-19 by early August, which is just like hard for me to comprehend because considering we're already at 45,000, like doesn't that seem like we're either going to see a big slowdown soon or that that projection is not correct? Like we're already at, we're already two thirds of the way there, more than that. And I know this has been going yeah. on for longer than it can feel like sometimes, like we've been inside for almost the entire month of April, but seeing that the, this, because that's, we're supposed to hit 65,000, yeah, in early August. So that projection is, is, unsettling to me you know they're almost never being serious (laughs) sorry um it's a a difficult projection to take seriously especially because the administration is famous for just making shit up actually yeah nope pretty much they just make shit up so right yeah speaking of like right exactly speaking of that the other night trump just tweeted he's going to ban immigration no details 
this morning, it seems like Trump and his team have decided what they are going to do or what they can do is a 60-day halt on issuing green cards. Uh, he got a lot of bit feedback from business groups um, that this is just like not the time to uh, weaken the workforce, um, especially for people like farmers who rely on a lot of temporary workers. Also, many many people in the U.S. on on work visas are working in like food processing and health care. Um, those people are not dispensable right now, obviously. Um, but still, it looks like the policy could affect about 660,000 people. It's a little strange because all of this, like we're in a global pandemic, everyone's inside, like not a lot of this stuff is really moving or happening anyway. So it's kind of unclear to me what this achieves until it's very clear was this, that it seems like it's just a campaign move. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is absolutely a campaign move. It is to make Trump look like he's doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is to shift responsibility for the virus off of people, asymptomatic carriers, people carrying it around with them in the country, uh, Americans giving it to other Americans, and it is to make it seem like it is a product of people bringing it in. It's like um, a sleight of hand, you know, to kind of make people who are trying to come to the country to keep us going, keep it, keep us working, become Americans, um, contribute to our economy, make them the enemy um, because they don't have a lot of people who are going to defend them ipso facto, you know, yeah. as, as being worth defending. What do you make of his? I mean, so he said repeatedly in a press conference. I'm not really watching the press conferences yeah, anymore. Really loved it. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's a late wedding present. Um, that he he said several <laughs> times that this is like it's an economic decision. It's so that you know, whenever America reopens, it's so Americans can be first in line for that job. But as we were just saying, it's like these processes are already stalled. Like the everybody going back to work is going to be crazy. Like no businesses. There are businesses that are desperate for workers, but it's definitely still going to be a slowdown whenever we get back into the economy. Um, But yeah, it's like, as you were saying that it's like, none of us even trust that that's at all like an in faith explanation is that it's, Oh no, no, it's an economic decision. It's like that gives him some cover for, I don't even know what at this point, but it's clearly just a manifestation of xenophobia because if it were an economic decision, it would have an economic basis, which it does not. Yeah. I mean, and the other question that always has to come in when you say like economy is like, what is the, what is the purpose of an economy? You know, like, are we just sitting around like trying to generate money for the sake of generating money? Cause that seems like a very bizarre concept. And if an economy is about people and, and making sure that we have enough resources that we generate enough, you know, interactions to share resources, then, you know, that's not going to happen while this is, still going on um and it it, you can't really make an economic decision without understanding that people make an economy so this kind of like notion that like the economy exists separately from what people are doing is kind of loopy to me um and you know like a lot of his decisions a lot of the way that trump talks about things is based around this kind of conclusion first yeah. and then working backwards into an explanation for why it should be happening. So like, you know, you got the economy, you got his thing with like insisting upon I'm not gonna be hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxy <laughs> hydroxychloroquine. Mm-hmm. I was like, 
getting this right on the first try <laughs> when I, I generally read it and I yeah, don't totally. say it aloud. It's kind of like a, like like a, like a TikTok dance where it's like, it's really hard to master. And then once you do, it's really satisfying. Like I'm just like going around like hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. I love it. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's why he keeps saying it. And you kind of got him. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's really proud that he managed to get like a five syllable word out of his mouth. Um, but the <laughs> the drug, <laughs> vaguely pronounced correctly. Um, but he basically he basically promoted right like this anti-malarial drug um, to people and tried to corner the market effectively. That was quietly what they were trying to do, which is basically yeah. force a run on uh, hydroxychloroquine uh, so that they could uh, jack up the price and basically extort the rest of the world as a form of cure, um, which is extremely mob so boss evil. behavior. <laughs> it's very terrible. <laughs> That's clearly what his intent was because yeah. he's a terrible person. Um, and now that they've been trying it, which you know is something that possibly would have happened naturally as they went through different options, but definitely was something in the United States promoted actively by the president of the United States suggesting it. And Veterans Health Administration hospitals found that the drug had no benefit, um, especially not for severely ill people. Researchers reported that there are like more deaths among people who um, took it rather than people who received standard care. It had Yikes. a study done um, in Brazil uh, that was, you know, try that basically showed that there were heart rhythm problems and people were taking it. And uh, National Institute of Health has more or less been like, please don't use <laughs> this yeah. drug, especially if you're going to use it with another, like, don't pair right. it with anything if you're treating coronavirus patients. And it's like, well, all of that was off the basis that, you know, Trump was trying to force a cure to happen, either for his own political fortunes or because he doesn't really care about the lives of people who are dying in this. All of or, the above. You know, some combination of all of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. This sucks because it's like... You know, yeah, reading very... all this news, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck him. It's like, no, we should. Be, I should be, like, really sad and disappointed that there are several studies on this drug with potential and it's not going to work. But instead I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. There was never as much like hope for this as even he was somewhat successful in even making people like me believe just because obviously even actually, maybe I'm very influenced by Cuomo and he was also sort of like, we're going to see, we're going to see. I agree with Trump. Like what's the harm? What's the harm? The harm seems to be that it can really mess with your heart, especially if you're taking other medications and the people that, are most susceptible to getting really sick from coronavirus are probably on other, could be on other medications because they have underlying health conditions. So boo that there's no treatment. Exactly. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click 
gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com, and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Last week you said something like we need to like along the lines of we need to just sort of stop expecting him to do anything. Like we need to sort of operate as our governments and as a society, like not assuming that the president is going to come to his senses or rescue us or anything. And I've been thinking about that like a lot. I found it a very clarifying way to sort of think about this. Um, And we want to talk a little bit more about kind of leadership more, more broadly today. Like you mentioned how like, Trump has touted this drug as a treatment, which is a great example of very poor leadership. I mean, we know that it actually killed somebody because they took this drug after, uh, you know, believing it was something that could could help prevent them from getting perhaps deathly ill because the president sort of said that. So how kind of else has this crisis exposed the weaknesses of how we think about leadership and power? We have a ton of flawed leaders in the country. We have a ton of flawed leaders in the world. And this is sort of an occasion that has really exposed it more than anything. I was also thinking about this recently, this kind of a sidebar, like everything that has happened since even before 2016, but I think it's been covered more in 2016. It's all felt like an escalation And weirdly, coronavirus feels like the tip of that, even though it's totally random and has nothing to do with anything else. But I guess as we're talking about leadership, it's like a lot of things, especially in the US, I mean, things have been wild across the world with leaderships and very um, sort of like rambling, bombastic leaders being elected everywhere. And there have been high stakes things that have happened and real catastrophes. But this one, I think, is exposing 
the weaknesses of that style and that hollow sort of leadership like more than anything. Um, how are some ways that this specific crisis is sort of showing that now? Yeah, wow. That's like um, <laughs> a lot. Uh, so when I, when I made that comment, I was really thinking about like kind of mobilizing all of us to think about um, kind of what we're going to need to do to to get out of this understanding that Donald Trump is not going to be part of that solution. Yeah. And, you know, like, and stop waiting for like the powers of the president to like move through him and turn him into president, which is like not how like life works. Um, yeah. I, I wish, I wish that the president like transformed you, like putting on Superman's suit, give you its powers or something, but that's not quite true. <laughs> um, and as <laughs> And thinking about leadership, it's about, you know, people have really been, for like a very long time, the numbers on like, is the country going in a better direction or worse direction have been very, <laughs> like we have <laughs> been this way for like 20 years, basically saying things are going to get worse. And now mm -hmm. things are really, really bad. We've kind of been looking for someone to explain what better is going to look like. And the absence of that, we're willing to take people who have kind of uh, taken a posture that, you know, they, there are no problems and they can, and anything there are, they can fix all of it on their own. This kind of um, like transitioning the concept of like great man of history. There's like a whole theory, multiple theories of history. There are these great individual men, almost always men, who shape the world and they, they make the world what it is. And a lot of people have internalized that because like no one's explicitly like coming up to you as a teacher being like, this is about history is about these individual people. But you can still say that in a story when we talk about who, what leadership looks like. And, you know, FDR got us through World War II. Like, technically, it was a massive federal government effort that was spread across like all federal yeah. agencies and everybody was doing their part. But it was simply coordinated out of the White House. And getting into something like that, like that's what we think of as leadership, right? And ultimately it's about making decisions that are in the best interest of people. People don't feel like anyone's making decisions that are in their best interest. Um, so, you know, when we get into, you know, this kind of crisis, what we're looking for is somebody who's decisive, but informed, right? They're taking time to process ideas and respond to them. And we're not really seeing, we haven't seen that for a moment. You know, Barack Obama was there. He, he did that. I think you could argue that there's a certain amount of caution that he took in making decisions that made people feel that he wasn't as decisive as perhaps his predecessor, which was fine because the decisions that guy made were really bad. Um, but like, also it meant that like sometimes I, uh, problems would spiral a little bit further than his response because he needed to get there faster and maybe he took a little bit longer trying to make sure all the details were right and in that process he ended up letting things snowball a little bit mm -hmm. um and so you got the polar opposite in donald trump who's willing to like do whatever you know say whatever as long as it sounds like a you know leadership or, or whatnot and what people's idea of a leader sounds like if you are a follower you know if you're if you're a person who follows instinctively, like he sounds like loud, he's decisive, he's opinionated, he never glosses over anything that's coming out of his head, um, and so to some degree it sounds strong, and 
at the same time, we're looking at this calamity and seeing like it's getting worse and worse because there aren't decisions being made. There's no coordination. You know, the most important thing a president can do is delegate and, and to hand over resources as quickly as possible to people who can put them to use as quickly as possible in a circumstance like that. And we don't have that. So it's been a pretty big empty hole at the top of American leadership for a moment. Where we, and I feel like we, we don't have that, that by design, partially. Like, that. he spent several years until now eliminating a lot of expertise from his administration under this sort of, like, I alone can fix it, um, like, form he takes. Do you think that people are starting? I mean, his approval ratings are okay. I mean, to me, it seems like he's modeling. Do you think he is modeling any particular political leader or like who is he modeling in his leadership style or do you think that he even thinks of it like a leadership style and he's just like a unique type of person who is implicitly a leader so everything he does is therefore leadership he's an autocrat and he likes autocracy and he likes dictatorial power Mm -hmm. um ultimately like he likes centering everything in himself and what he's feeling and doing so he literally doesn't you know, like if you like mm-hmm. leadership style implies that you can learn from other people. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say probably not. <laughs> you know, like I don't think he has any sense of legacy because it implies that one day his time will end, which is yeah. not really. How you don't think he wa- you don't think he read Brene Brown's daring to leave <laughs> to lead. Wow. Um, you know what? I think he's more of a 48 rules of power guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Um, is there? It's so sad and terrifying. Um, that's assuming that he's read anything in the last like <laughs> dozen years, possibly. Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't know if his attention could hold up. Um, no, of course not. Yeah, but I, I think that like there's been a huge vacuum. Yeah, 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 at the top of American leadership. And, like, what's scary to me is, as a Democrat, as a person who, like, wants government to work properly, as somebody who thinks that it's important for me to have a political party that represents my interests, I'm here looking at Joe Biden doing not anything. Like, he, I, I was looking at links um, as I was writing um, last night, and I found this link that was, like, showing um, who trusts who. You know, does the American public, how much do they trust people? Like, Anthony Fauci's at the top, like, great, Dr. Fauci, like, 66% or whatever believe Dr. Fauci when he says something. And then what terrified me was that Joe Biden was at the bottom. 26% people trust Joe Biden. Do you hear, like, you you have that moment where you're like, wait, what's below Mike Pence? And a large portion of that had to do with just the fact that he's not visible. He's not yeah. there, so he's not demonstrating leadership. And, you know, what, you, what you'd want is someone who's not just, you know, performing empathy and, you know, someone who's saying, like, there are decisions that can be made that can mitigate this problem to feel like someone's trying to fix it and to think that someone's having slightly more than a short-term vision for how things are going to work. Because that's what governor term, making sure the bleeding stops, but, you know, someone should be there with overview being like, we're going to need a longer term plan for getting all 50 states back and rolling through this. You know, some states have been hit harder than others. Some are reopening. 
possibly setting themselves up for extreme conditions. You know, like someone should be out there being like, look, this is unacceptable. And if I were president or these are the powers the president has to make this possible and these are things that should be being done right now. And if Donald Trump's not doing that, then I'm going to attack him over that because I know these decisions can be made and we can create political pressure to make him do them, even if he says, well, I was always going to do it when he does it, you know, which is what he does with everything. Yeah. You know, whenever there is a good idea, the man takes credit for it by saying like, oh, I always believed that. We'd be like, "Mm, no, that's not how that works. But it doesn't matter as long as the stuff gets done at this point. I've been trying to sort of, because Joe Biden's has I think his campaign is sort of like making an effort, but what they're doing is not very, it's almost like they they seem to be announcing some plans. They're like, here, I wrote an op-ed, here's this. And it's like, they seem to be following this sort of Elizabeth Warren model of like release a lot of plans and, and write, write a lot of stuff on your website about what you're going to do. And like, that didn't actually like work for her. And what you're saying now is like, I feel like there's just such no. a huge opportunity for Biden to be up for on up there every day. I don't know what he's doing. I know he's pairing on some shows sometimes. I know they've like ramped up that capability for him, but for him to be as visible, like as Cuomo, as the president, so that when the time comes to vote, like I think it's going to be much easier. Like you want to be able to envision him being a presidential and like, can you, there's, for how much the situation sucks, it's like kind of like, I can't really imagine a better scenario for especially somebody like Joe Biden, who has a ton of experience. And I also do truly like earnestly believe is uniquely qualified to be a leader during this because of his experience with grief. Like the man has lost, has had three of his direct family members die. He's lost two children in his life. Like he understood, like, I I think the concept of, people losing family members to death and disease to Donald Trump does not like compute. It does not. And that's a huge part of this is just like us understanding things that don't affect you. And obviously they affect Joe Biden personally, but he also, I think like has empathy, but like, what is, where is he doing? Where is he? What's happening? Like, is it because I think there is value sometimes to letting the person in charge sort of be the authority um, and not undermining them. Sometimes I think that that's important, like, or at least good for, I guess I'm thinking in that sense, like Barack Obama has been pretty careful not to directly attack Trump and was especially careful in the transition period and after the election. And I've always sort of respected that and thought that was important um, and have been wondering if that applies here, but it's like the man's not even doing anything to undermine. Like there's nothing to lose by criticizing him at this point. Yeah, and I think, like, there's a certain amount of, like, oh, we're going to, um, like, play by these rules because these rules are intrinsically important. And, you know, it's true that there's a certain amount of, like, giving leeway to your political opponents, et cetera, to show that, like, you actually do care about the system working and you respect the powers and limitations of your office. But at this point, governors are starting to coordinate with each other. Yeah. survive this because they, they are not getting any direction from the federal government. This is a point at which there is the vacuum is just there and you know nature abhors a vacuum. This mm-hmm. is the way that you end up with really bad decisions being made by people in power and seeing like, oh, I've got an opportunity to slip things in there 
or to make my own power play that's going to give me more more strength. So I think about that. Um, I also think about like you. Know, Joe Biden is at this point de facto the head of the Democratic Party. That's what happens when you win a Democratic nomination for the presidency. You are leader of the party. Yeah. Your first job yeah. should be yeah. coordinating it's among true. Democratic governors. And then next part should be, if I'm going to be the president and there is no action happening from the actual president right now, that's a campaign issue, but it's fundamentally a quality of life leader issue. Like this is the time to set up and be like, look, I've been coordinating with the governors. We've been talking about what we can all do together. I'm stepping up in this leadership. We're talking through the state democratic parties. We're talking through the apparatus that we have available. And we're going to be doing these sorts of things so we can protect elections, so we can do... There's still so much stuff that's still up in the air that hasn't been talked about. And we're going to wait until it gets like super urgent. We'll be like, oh my gosh, we have to fix this. Like, oh, To having foresight and planning out ahead of time and taking the initiative, those are things that, that make up real leadership. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. I'm and starting I to wonder... To that from somewhere. I know, I'm starting to wonder too, you know, I wonder what it will, how people will be feeling in November when it's like, I do think as, we, like you said, governors are forming confederations. They're handling this on their own, absence leadership and guidance and really any uh, utility from the federal government. The part of me even wonders like, Come November, are people going to be as like mad and angry and like fuck this guy? He didn't do anything. Are people just going to be like, "What's the point? We figured it out. The pre- we don't need a president anyway." Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I worry. I I can never anticipate yeah. electoral politics, but I really have no idea how this like trajectory sort of goes. Um, yeah, balancing like wanting to sort of realize that we need a solution without, I guess it's not a matter of realizing we need a solution without a president, but without this president. I think that's true, but I think that the more that Trump dallies, um, the more danger he puts the presidency and the entire concept of the federal yeah. government, um, which is fine to him because they don't like, like Republicans fundamentally do not like the federal government and the distribution of power. Um, because it makes it harder to run tiny fiefdoms, um, and which is a hundred percent what they want. They think that people should basically be feudal lords, um, and and by people they mean them and their friends should be feudal lords. Um, so organizing the world that way is not surprising. But I think that the thing that I'm worried about is like the lack of damage that this has done to Donald Trump's approval rating, which should be yeah. at this point in like in the teens in a sane society. But the fact that there's like so much, there are so many people who they don't trust him, they don't like him, they don't agree with him, they don't like his handling of crisis, they, he's killing people, like it doesn't seem to matter to them at all. They understand and respect all of these things and still want to vote for him and still approve of him broadly. And like to me, that's like death cult status. Whatever's happening in that like weird yeah. interaction where like 36% approve of uh, like think that. Trump is trustworthy, but then you're looking at his approval rating, it's like 46%, and then you're like, okay, well, something's wrong here. <laughs> there shouldn't be, <laughs> like, you shouldn't be getting, like, where's that 10% coming from, and what are they willing to accept? Like, will they ever be cracked? Like, it's one thing to say, like, okay, a third of society is just completely batshit. We're just gonna have to live with that. Oh, okay, one out of three people. That means two yeah. out of three people are completely reasonable and can be talked to, except 
then there's this weird gap where you get almost a 50% who are like, we are willing to let people die yeah. if we can get Donald Trump to be president. We're like, okay, this is very confusing. He's terrible. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. He's right. terrible. We agree. We're like, okay, now something's gone horribly wrong. What's happening here? So yeah. I worry about that going into November because there's a lot of people who are just going to kind of hit apathy and get to a place where they're like, I don't know, does it even matter anymore? And the 10% of people who are willing to accept whatever Trump does, even as I hate him, they'll vote for him. That, that scares me going into electoral politics. I don't know what it means right now because we got so much time between now and November. Exactly. I didn't think we were going to be in a pandemic. Uh, right now. I was expecting to be voting yesterday. I know. In the New York primary. Yeah. And now, nothing but madness. Nothing but madness. Okay, then, until the end of COVID-19, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Pete Lindbergh. And this has been the Betches Sup Daily Coronacast. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. Betches.